Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to the month of June, everybody. It's the month of grads and dads. So first of all, Kudos and congratulations and greetings to my people that I list under honorable mentions. Let me start off with the grads. You've got some highly grad- graduated, uh, educated people on our list. Alina Pepper, the daughter of Dave and Dr. Patty Pepper, great name, just graduated from Dartmouth with her degree, and she's going off to work with Venture Capital in New York, and then hopefully to med school after that. So congratulations, Alina. Krishna Sinha uh, graduated from Duke, also with honors, and hoping to go to med school, so I get to see him later this month to meet with him. Also, a little bit of cheers to tears. Uh, This weekend marks the two-year angelversary of my dear friend Lisa Scaglione, who departed this earth uh, too early, uh, two years ago, and I just think of her often, just quite a character. She wouldn't want us to dwell on that. So she, we're going to move on to more cheers of birthdays. So happy birthday this month. Robert Bunn turns four. That's Georgia Bunn's little grandson. Danny Williams had a birthday. My Aunt Carmen in San Diego was in her mid-80s. Lori Batchelder had her birthday yesterday. Tony Lacombe, a dear friend of mine here, yesterday was her birthday. Today is Marley's birthday. Happy birthday, Marley. Dr. Jimmy Giannis of Mayo Dermatology is having a birthday. Husband and wife birthday are celebrated. Jeff and Tracy, happy birthday. Dear friend, Dr. Deborah Rochelle. Dimitri Haniotis is having a birthday this month. And my cousin Gina is having a birthday at the end of the month. So happy birthday, everybody. For June brides, uh, a friend of mine from the White House here is Dr. Deb Beatty, who was a Air Force nurse. Um, remarried happily this month. She married uh, a guy named Rick in Colorado. And interesting story, uh, Deb uh, is a widow. Rick is a widower. And Deb was a hospice nurse. And she helped take care of Rick's wife when she was passing on. And uh, the two of them uh, became really dear friends. She and Rick uh, in his bereavement and years later got together and remarried and married each other. So good for them. Dr. Kirsten Painter from the Mayo Clinic uh, is getting married in Bratislava, Slovakia. So congratulations to Kirsten and Daniel. The, the other big celebration this month is Father's Day. It's this coming Sunday. And everybody has a father. We've all been fathered. Uh, but you know, is the father the same thing as a dad, right? Whoever fathered you, the hope is that that person is dad, the person who raises you, who impacts your life and gives you values and structure and discipline. And we have names for that person. That's dad, daddy, dada, baba, pop, papa. And we have stepdads and we have granddads. And I, as I was telling our guests, probably the best job is really being granddad. You know, you get to spoil them. So happy Father's Day this coming Sunday. The very first Father's Day was celebrated on June 19th in 1910 in the state of Washington. But it wasn't until 1972, about 58 years later, that President Woodrow Wilson, who made Mother's Day official, said, well, we should honor, we should honor dads. So whether you have a biologic dad or stepdad or granddad or father figure, 
take this time to celebrate them. A lot of times they're the unsung heroes. Moms get a lot of credit. In fact, Mother's Day is the busiest retail day of the year and the busiest dining out day. But dads ought to get some credit too, we think. So how do we celebrate them? Well, we do. Uh, there's about $17 billion spent in the U.S. on Father's Day. And hey, buy them a tank of gasoline, guys, right? That's that's worth a lot. Uh, commonly, it's clothing, ties. Well, who wears ties nowadays, right? Because people work from home. Sweaters, it's too hot right now. But you buy them something or you take them out or make them a special meal. One of the things I've seen in my last 67 years of life is that dad's role has changed in terms of how involved they are with their kids. When I was born on a military base in uh, back in the 50s, my dad just waited in the waiting room with all the dads, anxiously waiting for my birth, uh, puffing away on a cigarette and waiting to pass out cigars. And that was typical of the 1940s and 50s. Well, things changed about 35, 40 years ago when I had both my sons uh, back in the 1980s, dads got to be in the delivery room so moms could share the pain and joy of delivery and labor. Dads got to be coaches, Lamaze coaches. They got to cut the umbilical cord. They got to hold the baby. So I think that's amazing. They can actually be part of that bonding with their children. So they are definitely more hands-on. I've seen that in my own son, Andrew, who is 35. He and Aaron have their children, Addie's almost seven, Alex is five, Aubrey is three, and Andrew has been Aaron's coach for Lamaze and for the delivery. He's there with the, you know, delivering, uh, helping deliver these children, and they are so very much a part of his life. They're always constant in his life, and especially with the pandemic and working from home, he's really part of raising his children. He's a very vital part of their family. So the, uh, the role of dad has taken on more of a role in being active in their lives. It, there's more shared parenting. Uh, and there it's such to the point that dads nowadays, they're about 75% of men worry that their jobs are actually preventing them from having time to be the kind of dads they want to be. So we've seen that. And it's so different. I look at my son, Andrew, the type of dad he is and his parenting skills from my own father, who was the type of dad was, well, wait till your father gets home. You're going to get in big trouble. So then you wind up fearing your dad uh, because, you know, you'd only see him when he came home at the end of the day. But what is it about having a dad that that's so important to us? You know, some people say, well, I'll, I'll just raise him myself. But still, you need a, a certain influence in their lives that that provides the discipline and love. But what it is about having that male influence? And there are a lot of studies that show that children who grew up in a household with a father show better outcomes in intelligence tests. This is particularly marked in the areas of nonverbal or spatial reasoning, the ways of thinking that are important if they want to go into math and science and engineering. The intelligence impact is a lot of ways attributed to how the dads interact with their kids. There's a lot of the physical aspect. Dads are pretty much, you know, you know them to roughhouse with the kids. Um, outdoor activities, they they manipulate objects. They're they, you know they tend to be tend to be more handy, work on things, blocks and Legos, uh, more than the language base, which is usually mom mom's language, uh, imagery, creativity. Uh, there was a study of Chinese parents found it was a father's warmth toward his child that was the most important factor in predicting a child's future academic success. 
I think that's interesting. Fathers with daughters, they have found in development of women that women who have a very good relationship with their dad tend to make good choices in picking a spouse. They try to pick men who are very similar to their dad. Uh, women who have good relationships with their grandfather have good self-esteem, uh, develop very healthy patterns uh, towards relationships with others if they have those relationships with uh, male figures. So, the, But a lot has really been said about the positive impact, impact of fathers on their intellectual development of children, but a lot of studies in the Canadian studies. But there are studies that also show definitely that the absence of a father has negative impact. Uh, families that don't have a dad there, there's greater sadness, withdrawal, anxiety, their discipline issues. There's increased aggression, impulsivity, hyperactivity. We see this in the inner cities where there tend to be more uh, absent fathers. Absent fathers, children lose. Uh, obviously, the, their spouse or their partner lose, but children are the ones who suffer the most without having a dad there. Uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have in studio two very amazing men who are definitely hands-on dads, who are not only professional in their fields, but have really succeeded in, in being great fathers. And, you know, how do you know you're a great father? Well, you look at the product. You, you've raised good children. Somebody once told me, well, gee, nobody's in rehab and nobody's in jail. You, you don't want that low a bar. You want children who, who become uh, responsible adults who are kind and caring, who are good citizens, who have productive lives. I used to tell my late husband, John, that you know you've raised good adults when they make a decision that's economic, that's emotional, that's financial, that's uh, professional without your input. So in other words, they don't go running to you about what do I do? What do I do? They make a decision as, a, as adults do. Who do I marry? Mom and dad, I've made this decision. I'm going to marry this person. Mom and dad, I bought a house with my money without your input. Uh, I've got a job without your input. So that's when you can tell you've raised an adult. And we've got two examples of that, uh, these type of men in our in our show today. I've known them for, my goodness, how many years? Probably at least seven or eight years I've known you two through my late husband, through business associates. And I've always imp been impressed by them. I'm going to introduce to you briefly uh, their, with their bio, and then they're going to say hello, and then we're going to go to a break. But I want to ask them about their parenting skills and their family. Uh, they are both Wells Fargo advisors. Uh, they take care of me as well uh, in that field. The first one is Todd Showalter. Uh, Todd joined Wells Fargo Advisors in 2016 with almost 25 years of wealth management and capital markets experience. He's worked extensively with entrepreneurs, corporate executives, private equity partners, and family offices focusing on concentrated wealth management, asset allocation, investment selection, uh, all aspects of that. Before joining the firm, he was director of Credit Suisse's private banking division for seven years, where he co-led one of the largest teams in the Midwest. So um, Todd is in Chicago. Uh, of note for this show is he is happily married to his wife, Rainey. Uh, her, wife, her name's Lorraine. His children are Abby, who's 19, who's a freshman at Miami, Miami of Ohio University. She is an English and pre-law major. Charlie is 17 in high school, and Jake is 16-year-old junior in high school, so busy household. Our other guest on our show is 
Andy McCormick, who is a business partner with Todd. Andy has been recognized as a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2020, 2021, 2022, as Todd has. Andy specializes in delivering wealth management advice and implementation solutions to entrepreneurs, family offices, corporate executives, et cetera. Um, in order to do so, he's used decades of in industry experience and in-house ex expertise to build financial investment plans. Uh, these are the two-go two go guys regarding sensible ways to manage your portfolio. As I've told them, if I can't see it, I can't spend it. They have a great way of interpreting what's happening. They have a great way to calm you down, especially in this volatile world of the marketplace. Uh, Andy, uh, uh, his family background, his wife, Hallie, uh, uh, he's married happily to Hallie, his middle daughter, uh, Laura. I know you were telling me that they were flying to Europe. I think they're still there, right? Uh, to meet Anna in London. Anna was in Austria and Germany studying international finance. He's been married uh, to Hallie for 24 years. She's a fitness trainer and instructor, an amazing person. Anna's 20. She's a student in the Honors College at the University of Georgia. She's getting a degree in finance with a minor in entrepreneurship. I think she should get into dad's business, obviously. Lauren is 18. She starts at the University of Tennessee uh, in the fall, pursuing a degree in human resource management. Tim is 15. He's a sophomore in high school, honor student, plays basketball and football. And so you've got some amazing people here who've raised great families. And I think that's probably the hardest thing. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being on this show, Todd and Andy. You want to say hi? Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Thanks for coming out. Very here nice to be here, Dr. Connie. Yes, great to Thanks. see you and great to be here. Thanks, Andy and Todd. Thanks for coming out here. It's 111 out here, so it's hot times for all. You know, we I, I we were talking about parenting, and and you know, it's tough to do what you do as a profession. But can you sort of briefly share about what's the toughest part about being a dad? Well, maybe I'll start. I, I say it's uh, teaching them really to be their own person, and alongside of that, you know, it's the discipline part. It's making tough near-term decisions for better really long-term outcomes for them. And in the end, knowing it's the right thing for them versus consensus. And it may not be what their peers are doing, but then in the end, you're attempting to mold a, a good person, a good citizen, and someone that in the long-term can be someone that you're proud of. How about how about you, Andy? What is your, uh, what's the toughest part? Well, yeah, the toughest part is, you know, you said, I think you used the past tense that we've succeeded in being good dads. And I won't speak for Todd. Is I don't feel that I have closure on that matter at all. It's it's a very, very long-term game and very, very delayed gratification. I, I try my best to be a good father and husband and other things, but we won't, we won't know. It's, it's, it's a constant battle to – or – journey to try to be a good parent and a good example and a good uh, judgment maker. So that's a very difficult thing is, is, and I'm sure I know it's very difficult as for mothers as well, is you don't have instant feedback and satisfaction like you do in your profession. You know, if you're doing a good job, you know, this you don't. Yeah. And uh, so that's a really um, challenging. That's, that, that's a part of parenting that, um, is you know we were talking earlier, you're never not going to be a parent, and you're always going to be 
trying to give the right amount of influence, but not too much. Forever. We're going to, we're going to pause. Those are great answers. Cause you, you really outline why, why it's so tough. We're going to take a two minute break and we'll come back and we're going to talk some more with, uh, Todd Showalter and Andy McCormick from Wells Fargo Advisors, but also two wonderful dads. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We're on our, with our two guests, Todd Showalter and Andy McCormick of Wells Fargo Advisors, who are amazing, not only in their professions, but also socially and personally as, as, as dads. And they were sharing the toughest part about being a dad. W- was there any, anybody or anything that prepared you for fatherhood? Well, I think it was, you know, some of the examples that, that we were 
blessed to have before us. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I think we're going to lead into that. But obviously, you know, fathers and grandfathers and other people in the community that set great examples. And those examples were ones that you wanted to follow and ones that you wanted to copy. Well, you know, you'd mentioned to me off uh, before we started, your dad no longer is with us. What is it? What was it your dad taught you about being a dad? Well, I would say, and unfortunately, we lost him way too soon at 63, 13 years ago. But my father was, uh, you know, he was a leader. But the one thing that I remember most about him was his, his ongoing patience. And that's a trait that I try to copy. Unfortunately, more often than not, I'm not able to copy it as well as he led. But he was a small business owner, and then later he changed his careers and was a phone company executive. And his patience was one that allowed the room to calm and allowed people to stay ready on task. And he led by example. And I think that the way that he did things was one that the people that worked for him, and I know as, as his oldest son, was something that you know led me to strive to be the best that I could be, and I wanted to make him proud. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Who were your role models? How did you, how'd you turn, you know, who'd you learn from to be a good dad? Well, it's, it's not, uh, I'm not trying to just be um, a Pollyanna and be consistent with the theme of your, of your uh, pod, but I I really have taken bits, bits and pieces from my grandfathers, my father, my father-in-law actually. And obviously other people in my life, you know, people I respect, Todd, I respect Todd immensely, you know, peers, et cetera. But my, my grandfathers were very different people. Um, I knew my grandfather, my maternal grandfather much better. He was, had a sixth grade education, very unsure of what his ethnicity was. He was the firstborn, uh, the only sibling in his family born in this country and, you know, cut glass for a living and um, just, was a very, very hard worker. But as Todd said, he had immense patience with uh, all people. And many of these, these themes that we talked about today is like he embraced them back in the 1970s and 80s when I was a little boy. And I just it, you know, have tremendous respect for that. And uh, my own father's a very good man. We don't have a lot professionally to talk about because he was a guidance counselor for 36 years, but we have a lot of common values that he laid out for me. So I, I've been very blessed with people who have had, let their values drive their life versus let the day and the age drive what your values are. And that's, that's something that I try to instill in my children as well. Connie, I did, I did, you know, a couple other traits that stuck out to me in my life was, uh, you know, Andy mentioned grandparents, you know, my grandfather, I look at his, his grit, frankly, and his hard work. He was a tavern owner on the north side of Chicago. And although I knew him for too short of a time in my life, it was amazing that that sticks out to me. And then also in my life, you know, my college football coach, and you wouldn't think that this is the one thing that sticks out, but it was his spirituality and his love of teamwork. And I think these, as Andy said, these different things that we pick from people that have come across in our life, and if we're able to put those puzzle pieces together, well, it can only help us be the best person and the best father that we can be. Now, you've derived all the good things from your, you know, lessons. Are there, 
are the things that you experienced or learned that you would do differently that, you know, they always say you can learn what to do, but the other lesson is what not to do. Were, were there any lessons that you decided you would not do as a result of what you experienced or have seen? Well, I think, you know, for me, I mean, uh, you know, have I maybe raised my vice or, voice or lost my temper once too many that I wish I could go back on, you know, like my father had, of course. But as you know, the one thing that you, you realize is, as you mentioned in the earlier segment, this is ongoing and you never stop being a father and you work very, very hard to get it right. But you're always trying to do better. And I think that that is uh, the blessing and the curse of family life and striving to, you know, teach your kids to be the best they can be. How about you, Andy? Yeah, I mean, of course there's, um, you know, regrets or embarrassing moments in our past. And, and, and you know, there's a fine line between, you know, constantly looking in the rear view, rear view mirror and also reflecting on your past and trying to get better. So, so that that's one that I struggle with at all times. And I, and I try to teach my kids that as well as, there's, there's, there's value in looking at as I, I, I haven't been as patient. I hadn't been as patient as I, I would have wished I would have been. I may not have answered that question or that, that mistake that you made uh, in the way that I, but that being said, uh, if you're humble about your mistakes, you encourage your children to look for others as well. So that's one of the lessons that I share. I am an imperfect person. I'm not perfect at my as a parent. I'm not perfect at my job. I'm not perfect as a human being. But no one is. That's part of the deal. But there are people who are pretty darn good, better than me in many ways. And you, should, I encourage you to seek their counsel, their example. And, you know, I, I, I just... Um, I, I think about that's like, yeah, am I a better parent now than I was, you know, 20 years ago? I think so. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm not really, <laughs> really learning along the way. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of things, you know, in the, you know, negotiations with kids or how you discipline and things like that. Um, that I didn't do uh, as much as, you know, as well as I'd like to. And I'm sure that's going to have a four, but, you know, overall, I, you know, I, 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 I think uh, commitment to continuous improvement in everything we do is, is, is something uh, that I've embraced. And, um, you know, I, I hope my kids can see that, you know, and I think, I think they do to some extent and will, will, will eventually if they don't yet, but so I don't know if I answered the question adequately, but. If, you know, I, I look at the careers your children chose to, to study. Well, how much impact did you have on that? How much influence did you have on their choice of where to go to college and what, what career to pursue? Were you influential in that and their decisions? Well, I think you try to be collaborative, of course. Ultimately, the decision is theirs within reason. You, uh, you know, you, you, you lay out the pros and cons of these major decisions, things like geography, um, frequency of seeing each other's, uh, you know, and what each different major and what college or university is better or worse in different categories. Ultimately, as I said, it will be their choice. You're proud of the choice they make, but if you can make it collaboratively, I think you're, 
you're in the long run going to be happy with the outcome. You want them to be happy. And just as Andy and I am, you want them to go into a profession that they enjoy and that they can help people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would say, you know, with respect to like the college choices and majors and things like that, is, you know, um, I, what, what my general philosophy was is there's no one who's 18 who knows, I shouldn't say no one. There's very few people at 18 who knows what they want to do with the rest of their life. In fact, you shouldn't, you don't have changes. Maybe in your 20s, 30s, multiple times, people change careers four or five times, literally change careers three times and change jobs many times. And what my guiding principle was, which is what I, rather than choose where they went to school or specifically what they would major was, you want to be pragmatic about it. You, you might as well go into regions that are rising versus declining. You might as well uh, choose something to study at college, which is a very, very expensive proposition these days. You might as well choose something that makes you employable as as many places as possible. So whether it be you know finance or human resources, in my daughter's cases, those are functional skills that all companies need, not only companies, Government needs them. Nonprofits need them. So then you can kind of pick and choose perhaps a field or an industry that gives you what you're passionate about, and you'll, but you'll have a functional skill to bring to the table. So that's how I approach the whole college conversation. Fortunately, I didn't have to veto anything, anything where they said that, but I would have done that if they would have chose something I thought was, you know, not pragmatic and uh, setting them up, but you know, they, they chose, um, you know, reasonable. and you know, the outcomes are to be determined, but I figure you might as well try to guide with, you know, broad principles in a direction. And, but uh, it was not a, about telling us, you know, we've been very blessed that we can, you know, uh, give our kids some choices. And I know right now that's not a, Thing that everybody can do so i don't take that for granted but i think that you know the experience of it and going through the process of choosing where you're going to go what you're going to study and find is, is, is a big part of growing up where what kind of advice did you tell your 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 children when they went off to college was there something you told them before you launched them well, that, that, that is an emotional day when they go off for the first time. Uh, probably more emotional than I, than I expected, frankly. <laughs> and uh, first of all, tell them a couple of things. One, take advantage of this awesome well, Todd, opportunity. Todd's a milk toast. Todd's a milk toast. He just, he just fades. That's right. That's Wait right. till they get married. You walk them down the aisle and start crying. <laughs> Don't even tell me. I'll start crying now. The, 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 but the, the truth is, is that you... Um, uh, you want them to enjoy this awesome opportunity. These universities are unbelievable in the resources they provide. The chance that they have to, you know, grab life and make the most of it is really, you know, a one in a million opportunity for them. And, you know, take it for all that it's worth. Do not waste a day. You know, be the best that you can be because that's exactly what your mother and I want for you. How about Andy? What, what what kind of speech did you give your your daughter? Yeah, you know, I I it it, it you know it was very emotional for my wife. Um, 
obviously, um, daughter, mother's. I'm very close with with, with, with with my oldest. I haven't taken my second daughter there yet, uh, which is coming in August. But you know, I I didn't have like a sit down. But you know, like I realized less is more. Sound bites and work better. And my only point was, you know, like, reflect on what you've accomplished. And when you think you can't do something, remember that. Think of what you achieved to this point. And when you have self-doubt, which we all do, and when you feel overwhelmed, just take a, just take a pause and look at what you've already accomplished. You've gotten into this school. You've done this. Take a deep breath. It's going to be fine because you're doing all the right things and just try to relax. And, and, you know, that, that, so that, that was kind of the extent of it. It wasn't a big, um, you know, we didn't have like, a, you know, a, 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 I didn't sing a song. I didn't scribe, uh, here's <laughs> the, the new, you know, 10 college commandments or anything like that. And, and you know, so, but it was, um, you know, it was very emotional as Todd had said, you know, uh, but a very good, very good emotion. Like just well, very, the truth of the matter is, everything's changed too. from that point going forward. Yeah, you've launched them. Yeah, they've taken yeah. off. Well, so let's say you've got a new dad, you know, who's raising little kids. What what kind of advice would you give the young dad now? Well, you know, uh, there's a couple things that I'd say, and and I really, really believe in a few. Never miss a chance to tell your children how much you love them. I think that's first and foremost, especially someone who's lost their father. Uh, I would give anything to tell them that. And, and then second, lead by example. They're looking for you to tell them how to attack life. And so do it the right way. Thirdly, family first. Uh, the greatest gift that you have is being a father. It's an honor. It has real consequences to it, both good and bad. So put your family first, and I think it'll be your guiding principle. There are no do-overs regarding being a father. You know, each day leads to the next. So if you do the right thing day one and came to do so, I think you'll be very happy with the outcome. And lastly, you know, I know you're proud of them, and it's right to be proud of them. But also stay humble because, again, that's the right lesson to teach them. Great, great advice, Todd. How about Andy? What do you what do you recommend? I, I think those, that was very well said. I I, I agree with all of that. Uh, you know, as a new parent, uh, you know, I, I would I wish someone would have told me to just um, recognize that this is going to be a very you know very delayed gratification, and uh, it's wonderful when they're infants and they're cute and adorable. Like we think it's terrible that they won't take a bottle. Or they won't go to bed at a certain time. Well, then they get bigger, and then there's oh wow, that that was a glory. Well, just to the extent you can recognize and try to enjoy those moments, and no, if you stay, if you stay with it, you're going to get through it, and if you stay true to your values, they're going to learn something. So it's a, it's a very long term game. It's not it's not all peaches and cream, at, but Big picture, picture absolutely is profoundly rewarding, and you know, and I think Todd alluded to this a little bit is you know, you know, do your best, do your best to model good behavior. I mean, it's very, very hard because we're human beings too, as parents, and we have weaknesses and we have uh, flaws, 
we're from perfect. And that doesn't mean, you know, you get down on yourself because you made a mistake. Maybe you lost your temper and raised your voice or something. Well, try to correct that. Apologize for that. Move forward and then try to do better and try to model that. That's, that, that, that is very, um, very, very important. In, in my opinion, uh, for kids is, is to see their parents actually, you know, failing, but then recovering and, but taking two steps forward and they take one step back every now and again and continuing on that, that gives, I think that gives them comfort. I think that gives them a sense of direction and acknowledgement of you being human and imperfect and not being too down on yourself. Are are you, um, how, how does it work with the wives? Are you pretty much in agreement with parenting with your, your wives? Do you ever have disagreements about parenting skills? Well, I think that, um, you know, that's a work in progress. It, um, I know <laughs> I can speak for myself. It's, it's been, it's been a true teamwork and, uh, we've been on the same page regarding parenting from day one. And, uh, uh, she's been a great partner, uh, in raising my kids and I couldn't imagine doing it without her. But as Andy alluded to, it's a long-term game and there's a lot of tough decisions that have real ramifications. But if you remember that you are, you know, you are making them the best person they can be. And it's not to just travel in the pack. It's to make them their own person and hopefully teach them to be a leader, not a follower. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back on House Calls with uh, Todd Showalter and Andy McCormick. So stay tuned for more. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Well, on the break, we were talking with Todd and, and Andy here from Wells Fargo Advisors that their parenting lives have also paralleled their professional lives. That they've been working together about about 20 years now, right? You've been partners in your business, in your firm Correct. about 20 years, would you say? Correct. Just over 20. Yeah, 20 years, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Can, you know, we talked about fatherhood and you know one one of one of the things I want to do is is touch about finances because I want to tap into your your genius and your experience because this is these are harsh times. This is a tough time with the volatile market. What do you do? And and people are just you're really struggling out there about what's going on for this wild ride in the marketplace and investments. So I mean I'm going to take advantage of your expertise here, not only as dads, because you gave some great advice about raising children and raising good adults and good people, but I'm going to tap into your your professional advice. What's what's going on in the market right now? Well, you know, it is it's a truly a difficult economy, and these are very difficult markets. And you know, everyone sees the rising inflation, whether you're at the grocery store or the gas pump, and there's supply chain issues. I mean, people are seeing from the baby formula that's made headlines to just you know, if you need things from clothing to you know groceries there are there are there are ships in ports waiting to unload their containers we are seeing extreme volatility in the markets and the fed has made some tough decisions regarding interest rates we saw the largest interest rate hike since 1994 yesterday and this has led to some wild rides up and down on a daily basis and a consumer confidence that we haven't seen this low in quite quite some time so we uh we have to be ready for, in our opinion, a continuation of this. Uh, the Fed is trying to tame inflation at all costs, and that's going to be at the expense of really the market in the short term as they try to get this you know, runaway inflation under control. We haven't seen levels of inflation like this since the early 80s, and those are, uh, those are difficult numbers, especially, as I said, when you're at the gas pump. Yeah, I think... I think this is, um, you know, each time it's different. Each time you have a, uh, you know, bear market in the in the equity market, for example, uh, it's it's very different. We've also had coincided with a you know terrible fixed income market. So people who traditionally diversified in stocks and bonds have had a miserable time. I mean, all all of our clients have those. This has been, you know, historic. It's been. We have really haven't had this bad this bad of a start for stocks and bonds in traditional portfolios since like the 1930s. I mean, it's that it's that bad. However, you know, those that have had exposure to other things have been able to cut some of that downside off with certain styles of 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 equity management. 
as well as you know commodities in their portfolio. There's been some things to lessen the pain, but it has been very, very difficult. I think that we need to accept that this time is different. It's certainly not like 2020 when we had a you know pandemic just come on unexpectedly and we had a response that was unprecedented, but we also had a response by banks uh, or central banks that was unprecedented. So I think what we have to just prepare ourselves for is this is going to be a grind uh, for, for a while, and it could be a year, two years, maybe three. But there also has, from an investment standpoint, there's a lot of opportunity, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. So if you can find a way to sleep well at night, there is going to be a lot of opportunity. And perhaps once in the you know, once every decade or once every 20 years, these opportunities come about. And that's really what we're focused on doing is I, I think there's more to come in these next couple of months, uh, certainly. So we'll have to just uh, brace ourselves to be prepared to act when they're when it's sensible. And I think there could be, you know, for our clients, I think there could be a lot of opportunity. So you know, one of my friends said, well, how do you avoid losing money? I mean, what, what you know, I somebody who wants to take their money out of the market and well, where do you put it? So what do you, well, how do you address it when people are just panicking and they're like, well, let me just take it all out of the market. Well, what, what are you going to do with that money if you take it out? Well, I think that's, you know, that's, that's a common, you know, a common uh, theme is people say, I want to, I want to exit the market and enter at a better day. Instead, just the opposite. You know, you shouldn't be in a rush to do anything, frankly, you know, take a breath. Yes. These are difficult times. Yes. There's extreme volatility, but you know, patience again pays pays in the long run. Here, I think what we're seeing is a is a valuation reset for the retail investor. And yes, there's been a markdown of stocks and bonds across the board. But really, as Andy mentioned, there will be opportunities once we get a clear picture of what the Fed is trying to do for the long term and a better understanding of what it means regarding monetary policy. Uh, we will have a clear idea of how best to attack this market. But you do not want to panic. You do want to take a breath and you want to just hold on because, as Andy mentioned, it's going to be a bumpy ride. But there will be opportunities out there to take advantage of this market. But absolutely. You know, uh, the, if you're panicking, um, that's a really that's a really uh, dangerous thing because there's a lot of data out there to show that if you just miss. 20, one day a year of the best performing days in the market, you will cut your return down by like 70%. And why that is, is, is interesting. I mean, when you take a look, some of the best mar equity market rallies, that is, are in bear markets. And you can't miss those. So if you're not sleeping well at night, yes, perhaps you could put something in cash, which is going to lose your buying power. Somewhat. But if that hasn't been right size, if you're losing sleep, that you have to figure out what's what's your threshold of pain. But those who have a higher threshold of pain and do not exit 
all markets and, and just put it in, in cash, which is a, as we know with inflation, is a, a, a losing proposition. You will be losing your buying power. Rarely can get in at the right time. And that means you have to time it twice perfectly is, is when I exited and then when I enter. So it's a very difficult thing. So I w- what, I, what I would say is, you know, uh, hopefully you've lost less money than the riskiest assets. Hopefully you've been able to avoid your advisors and avoid some of the worst performing segments of the market or haven't had you all in those. And at some point you may reallocate from in this market, the lesser losers to the big losers at the appropriate times over time. None of us are going to get the timing right perfectly. That's a, that, that I just don't know. You know, we hear of the handful of people who've done that over the last 20 years because they're so rare <laughs> that have called you know, the housing market and, and, and were able to make billions and you know, with the, but they're so rare. It's very, very hard. But with prudence, you can do very well through a five-year, 10-year horizon. And I, I do have a lot of confidence in that. But I do think this, this is different. It, this is, this is going to be a, an unwind. And we've injected a lot of money, a lot of liquidity into the system. And it's going to take time to unwind it. Um, that's just going to be you know, painful, but also there's going to be opportunity. So where in history has it been this bad? You said the 1980s, we saw it this bad? Yeah. Yeah. Inflation peaked in, uh, you know, 1981 and we've, you know, retrenched to that. Uh, You know, obviously there was a malaise in the seventies that hopefully we don't go back to there. Um, But we are finding lows that we have not seen for quite some time. And again, the one that, one of the indicators that we watch closely is consumer confidence, and that is sharply pulled back. And that just means that there's a general sentiment across the board that people are feeling less confident about the economy going forward. And what that means is, you know, less spending across the board, whether it be on travel, eating out, uh, you know, just just enjoying yourself uh, versus staying home and saving. So yeah, it, it, how did we get yeah, out of the 1980s? Was it a political thing that changed? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Well, the, the Fed had a much oh. different stance here. It raised rates dramatically and, and at larger clips. And again, it was a painful reset uh, to try to tame inflation. And it took a considerable amount of time um, for them to do so. But once things were back intact, we had you know a tremendous growth in the 80s. Uh, that led to the prosperity up until just a short time ago. Yeah, you know, you know what I would say, Dr. Connie, is yeah, it, what, what we have in, it, we, we have hit a lot of historical um, uh, negatives. You know, the fact that bonds and stocks are down in tandem so much is very, very unusual. I mean, I, I, I as I said, I, the that doesn't happen. Often you have an inverse relationship in terms of stresses. When you have a bad economy, people sell stocks and they buy U.S. Treasuries for safe, perceived safety. That is that has not happened. There's only a handful of times that that's happened in the last, I mean, since literally the early 
20th century. I mean, I think it's like four times where we've had fixed, fixed income and, and equities down this badly. But that, so that, that, that's unique. And that gives people a lot of panic. And as Todd mentioned, the consumer sentiment numbers are at their lowest since they've ever been recorded. This is, this is a very stressful time. That being said, the best times to actually invest if you're lucky enough to have preserved some capital with not having all of your money in high tech stocks, for example, and you have them in elsewhere, is to deploy invest capital when it's most uncomfortable. That is that will be a winning strategy over time. It doesn't mean there's gonna be a turnaround in six months or even a year. It could be two years. I mean, the, the tech wreck in, in the uh, two, early 2000s, I mean, that took three years to kind of work through it. There were, there were, there were pockets of, of progress. You know, it's it's so, almost like your parenting is, is your way to approach the market. It's just be patient, don't lose your head, uh, don't, don't, don't throw the baby out with the, the wash, just, you know, steady as she goes. It it takes patience and and just deliberate. Just wait and see as as you're doing with you know as anything that that's going to be. It's the delayed gratification. And so your your message really, and that I think it applies to parenting too, is be patient. See what happens. You can only do so much that you can control, and to do drastic steps. Right? Or you just you know don't give up. Just hang in there for the ride. Yeah, yeah I think you know there's still. Yeah. You know, look to quality, you know, look to look to uh, where, you know, companies that make products that will have demand, even through a difficult economy, don't make it too complicated. And as I said, there's no rush. Take a breath. Well, I want to thank you. I we're going to we're going to don't go ahead, Andy. We're, we're going to have to go I, I, now I, I, and I, I, say goodbye to our, our, our show. And um, I want to thank uh Andy McCormick and Todd Showalter for being our guests talking about being great dads and also being calm about what's what's ahead in the months ahead and the years ahead in our country. So stay tuned on House Calls and we'll we'll talk with you next week. And thanks again, Todd. And thanks again, Andy. Take care and God bless. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. 